You're listening to the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast on the Drink 5 Network. Smooth intro as we always have. All right, well, welcome to the show. It is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, only the second installment in 2015. I'll take a beer, please. Of the Fantasy Football Podcast. And <laughs> yes, we will all take a beer. Currently, Sean is pouring us a Two Brothers beer. Two Brothers, the official, unofficial beer of the Drink 5 network, really, all of the podcasts. Um, this one is a bomber of the heavier-handed IPA. It is a nice, uh, fresh hop harvest, 8.1% alcohol. Good stuff. Uh, we've got another bomber waiting for us. A couple of random beers. Um, so that is what we are drinking. We don't have to ask that question tonight because it is already given to everyone. That is correct. Uh, so let's introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is David Biggs. This is Jason Evans across from me. We are the hosts of your uh, fantasy football podcast That's program. Right. And today we have with us Sean Foss. Is that program with an E? It's program with an E because we're what? We're fancy. Yeah, are we or, British? Or we're old and British, have bad teeth, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> one of those options is probably correct. I don't know which one. A few of them, maybe. I don't know. But Sean, uh, Sean writes the rookie report. Has been for a couple of years now on Drink5.com, and uh, to some acclaim, I might add. You know, a lot of people have uh, used his picks in their fantasy leagues to uh, good results and bad, of course, because no one can be a hundred percent. You know, but he has a good track record, as far as I'm concerned. And he's here tonight to discuss uh, the NFL draft class from 2015, how they're going to factor into this year, basically. You know, uh, and if you're out there listening to us on Mixler, please, you know, do me a favor and uh, give us some questions during the podcast so I can go ahead and ask him to Sean. He can give his honest response because honest is what you're you're going to get, basically. And we also want you guys to be drinking a beer because we're probably going to play some kind of a game. And I think tonight we a should play game. We should play a game that has to do with rookies, right? Sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. What do you think? What do you think, guys? Whenever you say rookie, that's pretty. That's a pretty mean game, isn't I it? I mean, I mean, <laughs> if you really want to be rough instead of rookie, anytime you say upside. All right, I okay. like that one. So anytime anybody says upside, then uh, or maybe even maybe even add in potential upside or potential. Anytime you say browned. Anytime you say Cleveland Browns, you have to leave oh, the I, podcast. I, think, <laughs> I don't think you can do round. We're going to be talking about what round these guys are picked in throughout the night. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, potential and upside, so you have to drink five every time you say that. Uh, so let's jump right into it, uh, talk about a couple things tonight. But the most meaningful conversation that we're going to have is about the rookies. So first of all, did you guys watch the rookie draft? Uh, I was actually in, um, you know, in, in Draft Town during the draft, the draft for for uh, at least Thursday and Friday night. I was there. Uh, it was actually a really, really cool setup. Um, I mean, they made a whole fan festival out of out of it. There were, I mean, all kinds of you know NFL players, past and present. So we're both local. You know, well, all of us here are local, but we, Jason and I, didn't get to make it to the NFL draft this year. Um, what was the best thing about the draft? I just think, I mean, for me, it's it's being able to see fans of every team across the league. I mean, you saw. I mean, if there was not a single team whose jersey I didn't see at least once. Wow, 
Yeah, and just being able this to see like all these fans interacting with each Titans other. Tennessee Titans jerseys roaming around. Even the oh, Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars were out Jaguars, there. Jaguars. I mean, there were Jaguar <laughs> fans. There were. I mean, even people made it from the West Coast. There were Charger fans. There were Raiders fans. I mean, actually, at one point, the Raiders um, lived up to the team name and raided the Chargers fan tent. Uh, they basically took, claimed it as their own. Uh, so they filled up both the Raiders and the next-door Chargers tent, which was kind of fun. Good for them. That's, yeah. that's fun. Great, great. Well, um, I think next year we'll be there as long as it still is in Chicago, and a lot of people think it will be, and a lot of people think it won't be. So that's another debate. I mean, it, I think it's the, the the coolest thing that they've done for the draft. I mean, they've gotten a lot draft of things. Town. They've gotten a lot of things wrong over the past couple of years, the NFL in general. But the draft was something they they knocked out of the park. It was really great. Fantastic. So let's uh, jump into this with uh, some selections from the draft itself and talk about some quarterbacks. You know, the first two picks to come out of the box were Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota uh, from some pretty good college teams and themselves were outstanding college players. But how they work into the NFL might be a little bit different. So Jameis Winston, uh, quarterback from the Buccaneers, uh, he's going into a good situation, right? Because Tampa Bay has great receivers. So do you think he's going to perform just just great at an elite level out the out of the box? Do you think he'll be a quarterback one for this season? How do you think that uh, he'll ease in, and where do you think people should draft him in a regular, let's say, ten team fantasy league? Um, I would I would treat him as a high end QB two potentially. I mean, that's the I think that's about the highest I would draft him. Um, but I do I do think he's in a perfect situation. I mean, you look at his his year at Florida State last year, and a lot of his interceptions were because he plays really aggressively. He'll throw into coverage, but he's got receivers who are going to win those contested balls. I mean, Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans are going to win those more often than not. And I think if he had guys like that at Florida State, he wouldn't have thrown many picks. Uh, he did throw quite a few last year. but uh, And you also have Austin Safarian Jenkins um, at tight end. I mean, it's just a bunch of big-bodied guys who are going to win those those contested battles. I think he's, he's going to push towards 30 touchdowns as a rookie, which is pretty crazy. You don't see that very often. That is pretty crazy. So do you think that Tampa Bay has a chance with Jameis Winston and you know all their other weapons of being a team that's not going to be just terrible like they were last year? I, I think eight and eight is a realistic expectation. I think the with a second year in the cover two system, which there are a lot of blown coverages on the back end of their defense last year, but now that they're a little bit more comfortable with it, um, and they've they've upgraded the offense with Winston. I mean, he's way better than any QB who played on that team last year. I, I think that eight and eight is a realistic hope for Tampa Bay fans. Jason, obviously, Thanks. Winston was the number one draft pick, and so the number one draft pick is always expected to play kind of like an NFL player already, almost like he comes in as a sophomore or something, you know. So, do you think that uh, Winston will provide that boost that Tampa Bay needs to get to an eight and eight to actually kind of even out and, and maybe even overperform, or do you think that they're going to falter? I think that eight and eight may be overperforming because when you look at a lot of these first-year rookie quarterbacks, they'll uh, play okay, but their teams may still do poorly. Like, didn't Andrew Luck have a really bad year the first year? Um, uh, I mean, I, I think they won six or seven games after winning one or two as yeah. the year before. So pretty similar. They had the first-round pick, the very first pick. Um, you know, if he does – if he wins seven or eight games, that's going to be a success for him for sure in his rookie year. I can't imagine that they're going to start anyone else – right away he's got to be starting in week one i think tampa bay may have more tools than colts had when they drafted luck though 
Right, he does have uh, a couple of good wide receivers now. I would agree. I think he fall. I think he finds himself in a similar situation to what Matt Ryan walked into in Atlanta, where you've already got the offensive weapons in place. Yeah, um, and you just needed a quarterback to kind of Matt tie Ryan it together. Matt Ryan already had Gonzalez and White, and, and Ryan led the Falcons from what one or two wins the year before to the playoffs his rookie season. I think. I mean, I'm not saying Winston's going to go to the playoffs, but I think eight and eight yeah. is something they can realistic realistically accomplish. Eight and eight wins that division <laughs> as well, of last year. A year ago, it does. I don't know that it does this year. <laughs> so Marcus Mariota. Uh, Quarterback for the Titans, second draft pick. There was a lot of speculation around that second pick. It might have gone to the Eagles. It could have gone to the Bears, which I think was a little outlandish, but that's uh, getting ahead of myself. Um, regardless, the the Tennessee Titans looked at their situation, decided that Zach Mettenberger was not the quarterback that they really wanted. Being in the situation to draft Mariota, who is a better fundamental, uh, well, not fundamental, but a better athletic quarterback than, than Mettenberger is, uh, they decided to go with him. And so the question is, can he play well in an NFL offense? Can uh, can he play well with no really good veteran options in Tennessee besides maybe Kendall Wright being a pretty good receiver? Um, I mean, I just think it was really curious that he did end up in Tennessee. I mean, all the news leading in was that Tennessee was going to probably trade the pick. There were a lot of teams that wanted it. Apparently this giant smokescreen... Yeah, but I mean, there's also, I mean, I also have the same questions that most people do. Like, how does Mariota fit in a system with Ken Wisenhunt as the head coach? He doesn't seem to be the prototypical quarterback for a Wisenhunt offense. I mean, it's a lot of vertical passing, and that's things that, I mean, Mariota doesn't, didn't done a lot. It's a lot more, you know, anticipation, getting guys, you know, the short, short passes in space and um, just reading the defense, not just trying to throw over the top of them. Um, and I, I don't know how he fits. I think. If he lands in Philly, I'd say he's the number one rookie quarterback this year. Because he landed in Tennessee, I think he's more of a low-end QB2 with some upside because he's got the athletic ability to run. Uh, I do like the weapons they drafted, though. I love Doriel Green-Beckham. Um, I, and I could see even um, Trey McBride pushing Justin Hunter and trying to you know beat him out for the other outside starting spot. I mean, not to start this season, but eventually this year. One of the beat writers in Tennessee I saw today, he thinks that uh, Hunter's going to be able to hold off Doriel Green Beckham by you know having a good strong camp and uh, playing well and you know we've seen flashes from them but they're definitely going to be a better team than last year. Uh, do you think that they can reach the Tampa Bay level of eight and eight? You think it's realistic to think that they can make it there? Uh, I I don't they had such I, a terrible defense. Last I think year. they're I mean they did a good job of of drafting good football players which is something that they really um, lacked yeah. last season on the team. I still don't think they're going to be very good defensively. Um, and I still think, I mean, with Mariota stepping in from day one with a bunch of rookie options to throw the ball to and hand off to, I think you're still looking at a team that's going to win five or six games. Yeah. But I think there's a, uh, the arrows pointing up down the road, though. Sure, definitely a long-term sort of thing. I look at their defensive starters, and I recognize Brian Arakpo, maybe one of the only ones. And, of course, you know he's a veteran now, so you can't expect too much out of him. Yeah, and, and another thing you have to take into account is ever since, basically since Jeff Fisher left Tennessee, they've done a very, very poor job of developing talent. Yeah, well, you know, they went long enough with him without really winning, so they had to move on, even though he was probably going to be a better choice than Ken Wizenhunt. Well, I mean, I, uh, the Wiz, go on, guys. Give the I mean, Wiz you guys, some credit. You guys forget they he's, had he's really Mun- good with quarterbacks. They also had Munchak in oh, there in between right. as well. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, you look at the guys they've had. I mean, Jake Locker never developed. I mean, Justin Hunter at this point is a disappointment. I mean, a lot of the players they've drafted on both sides of the ball have not lived up to what they were supposed to be. And a lot of that falls on the coaching and the, the player development within the organization. And, 
you have to question how good it'll be going forward. But they did draft some good football players. Yeah. Other notable quarterbacks from the draft, Bryce Petty, that I know Sean and I talked a little bit off the air about. I think we both like the guy as a starter in a couple years. Uh, he went to the New York Jets, which is almost a perfect situation for him because right now what they need is a starter, but they could wait a couple of years. They got a new organization. They're getting new people. You know, um, Is this the answer in a year or two for the Jets, or is it kind of a continuation of the same situation? Do you think for Dynasty Leagues that getting a, a guy like Petty would be good? Can you see him as uh, a starter at low QB1 quality or high QB2 quality for a long term? Uh, what do you think? Um, with, with Petty, I don't know that he's really guaranteed to be any better than Geno Smith. I mean... I, I like Petty in terms of you know a dynasty draft or even even necessarily redraft if you're in a two quarterback lead as league as a, a sleeper pick, just because his path to the starting job might not be that hard. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a few starts this year, but as far as talent and ability, I'd rather have Brett Hundley. He's just buried behind Aaron Rodgers. I mean, unless Rodgers gets hurt, Hundley's never going to play until he gets onto a different team. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. I just don't see Bryce Petty getting a chance to start much this year. Behind Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's not, I don't know. Uh, if they're doing well, they're going to try and ride Fitzpatrick as long as they can because they'll think they have a shot at the playoffs and they're going to want a veteran in there. And if Geno Smith is healthy and he's not just losing every single game for them, they're going to want to try and develop him. I, I mean, Geno is going to be on a short leash if he's the starter, I mean, because of his past track record. Yeah, and he's and, not the quarterback drafted by this organ, by this regime. And and tell me this, if the team is 2-10 and 10 later in the season and Geno's obviously been bad, why are they going to play Fitzpatrick rather than see what they have in Petty? Okay, you know, I guess if the, if the wheels fall off the New York Jets, that could happen. But they picked up so many free agents this year, I can't see them doing that badly. I see them, you know, taking advantage of, uh, you know, a, maybe a division that uh, isn't going to be as good because the Patriots are going to be, you know, at least hurt for four weeks. Agreed, but I mean, you see it every year though that at least a few starting quarter, a few rookie quarterbacks start that get a few starts that you wouldn't have expected. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously, there's a couple situations where an injury could force a guy in. I don't know that Petty necessarily even needs an injury to get a chance to start at some point this season. The Jets just have to be bad enough. But yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is if the Jets are uh, adequate to good, then he's not really going to see any time unless there's injuries. Agreed. It's it's unlikely. Right. Glenn in the chat room says the choice between Gino and Fitzpatrick is like asking what kind of STD you want, gonorrhea or chlamydia, which, uh, come on, let's give those guys the benefit of the doubt. They're, they're NFL caliber athletes, but you're right in that they are both people that you don't really want to be starters at any given Does moment. Does that make Matt Sims herpes? And let's let's not kid ourselves here. Um, at least, I mean, Glenn isn't uh, a Cleveland Browns fan where the Browns were <laughs> celebrating. Josh McCown! They were celebrating that they won the Josh McCown sweepstakes. The Josh McCown well, lottery. Tampa Bay won it last year fantastic yeah oh man okay we also have uh, Garrett Grayson who was drafted by the New Orleans Saints so the question becomes with Drew Brees becoming sort of an aging quarterback and the Saints organization radically changing due to departures and trades uh, was he drafted to be Brees replacement in Dynasty League should you be wanting to get him for that reason or is he just kind of a clipboard uh, holder for right now a guy they need as uh, backup material behind Brees uh, I mean, I think they drafted him with the hope that he can develop into the guy who replaces Breeze. What college not... did he go to, by the way? Colorado State. Okay, so I, I didn't watch any. <laughs> I didn't watch any of their games. But was he a sure-handed quarterback? I mean, obviously, going the fourth in the in this year, he must have been decent. 
Um, I mean, physically, he has the tools that you need to play quarterback in the NFL as far as size and arm strength and all of the, and accuracy, those kind of things. He doesn't blow you away with any of them, but he's capable at all in all those areas. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think the best that he could hope to be in the NFL would be Joe Flacco. I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and throw for 4,000 yards and, and 35 touchdowns every year, but he could be a passable, like decent starting quarterback if everything breaks right. Well, so he'll probably be carried as the third guy on this year, on their team at least, right? Oh, I, oh, I think he's going to be the number two guy behind Breeze this, uh, possibly as soon as this year. Okay, so past Luke McCown. I mean, know. again, it's a McCown. <laughs> <laughs> Luke McCown. Fair enough. What is this Luke McCown you speak of? The Luke McCown is the younger brother, I think, of Josh. I believe so. Yeah, he's got to be because Josh is like thirty-seven. There's, there's he's got to be the younger brother. There's more career journeymen out there, like that are in a family. Yes, uh, Luke yes, McCown, they're a traveling well, circus. Luke McCown was born in '81, uh, and I will look up the Josh McCown. So that makes. Are we Luke... drinking if we say Cleveland Browns? No. Okay. Yeah, that was definitely. Josh McCown was down. born in '79. For- he was born on the Fourth of July. Wonderful. For him. Uh, so on to the rookies or the running backs. All the rookies. Yeah, all the but rookies. On, on let's to talk the, about some rookies. Let's talk about all of the rookies. Yes, on to the running backs though for sure. <laughs> uh, so Todd Gurley was the first running back taken. By the Steve way, Lewis. I, I don't think anyone said potential or upside yet, but I've said both. So I'm going to go ahead and there you go. There you go. So Todd Gurley was picked by the Rams. Uh, um, he was what tenth overall, something like that. I believe so. Um, I'll look that up. Yeah, number ten overall. He went to. The St. Louis Rams. I mean, what school did he go to? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He went to Georgia. Okay. We should just do this with every single rookie that we bring up today. I'm going to eventually get one I forget, like, and blank on on the spot. And Gurley, you're not, Gurley. like, looking them up and cheating. Well, he's one of the best running back prospects. I'll let you speak, but but that we've, that's been around is a long, long time. And the fact that he had an, an ACL injury really took him off the list almost, but a lot of teams still had him up there. Well, yeah, he was the first running back to be drafted so high in at least, like, two years um, so he is now moving in, and he's got uh, Trey Mason there, and they also have Benny Cunningham. They got rid of Zach Stacy. So Todd Gurley goes right in as the starter, right? Well, I mean, he's not. He's going to open the season potentially on the pup list. Um, they're not going to rush him back from the ACL injury. Um, he he passed all of the uh, you know. The, I mean, the doctors all gave him the thumbs up, which is why he went as high as he did in the draft. Right. Um, but he's not going to be ready week one. Um, so for the beginning of the year, expect Mason and Cunningham to kind of share the load. Plus, Trey Mason did okay uh, last year. He wasn't like amazing, but he was okay. No, so. he did, and he's still really young. Mason's yeah. only like twenty two. I they, mean, they might have one guy. of those tandems for like four or five years. I I think Gurley is a workhorse. I think he ends up when he's healthy. Uh, barring any future, you know, health issues, obviously, you, you know, fingers crossed for him. You don't want to root for guys to get hurt. So that's bad news for Mason then, and, and owners that might have Mason on their dynasty team. Et yes, cetera. if you own Mason in a dynasty league, I mean, hope that there's a, an owner out there who's not paying attention and try to trade him now, <laughs> or trade him in the first like two weeks when he does well, and you know that Todd Gurley's coming back. Yeah, that that would be smart too. Uh, so Melvin Gordon was picked. Uh, San Diego really wanted him. They traded up, I think, two spots to get him, and they gave up a decent amount just to move up those two spaces. So he walks into a situation where they just got rid of Ryan Matthews. They've got basically Brandon Oliver and um, uh, who's the, the I, I believe Donald Brown. I believe right? Donald Brown is yeah. still there. Just, uh, just Brandon Oliver, really. Yeah, I mean, so he's walking kind of like Gurley. Don't, where don't forget about Danny Woodhead. He's actually going to play a little bit this year too. Yeah, but he's never going to be like an every down guy. No, right. So I 
think Melvin Gordon could have a opportunity to be an impact rookie running back right away. Well, he does have the opportunity. Well, he well he's going to be given the carries. Yes, you know we're talking fifteen carries a game possibly right from week one. So is this one of those draft classes where where there actually can be some some pretty freaking good uh, running backs again? There haven't been for several years, you know. Uh, these these guys that are like every down running backs, um, like Adrian Peterson, uh, they haven't really shown their face that high in the draft for quite a long time. Well, I mean, you mentioned every down running backs, but do they, I mean, for the most part, those are becoming dinosaurs in the NFL. They don't necessarily exist all that often. Uh, I mean, because more and more the teams are going to the the committee backfield approach. You know, at least a tandem of guys. Well, I guess more I'm referring to the fact that um, that in the past years, at least at least the past couple of years, there haven't been any selections of running back in the first round. You're right. No, the right. last two years there's not been a first round running back taken. So more and of a prevalence now. You're right, and and some of that has been because I mean you've seen guys like Alfred Morris go in the sixth round and be a stud, and other guys go later in the draft and be successful. Last year, Jeremy Hill was a second round pick. He was probably the best rookie running back last year. I, w- I would agree with that, and I'm glad I own him in Dynasty. Uh, <laughs> but um, but this year, I think I think Gordon and um, and Gurley were just so good, especially Gurley. Gurley's probably the best running back prospect that's come along since Peterson. Um, and so that's why those guys went in the first round, because there's so much potential. <laughs> let, me, let me drink to that. <laughs> That they had, they had to go. Is I mean, you have to reach early to get him. I mean, the Chargers even traded up to get Gordon. He's gonna be the number one guy on their team. And if you're drafting in a redraft league, the, Melvin Gordon should be the first rookie off the board. Yeah, the Chargers. You know, they really wanted him. I think that they're gonna ride him hard. They gave up uh, their first round pick, which was the 17th pick. You know, two later, a fourth round pick this year and a fifth round pick next year, just to move up two spaces in a draft. To make sure that nobody took him. Well, that that's what happens when you think someone ahead of you is going to take your guy. Very true. And the person who you're trading, whose pick you want, thinks that as well. I mean, I mean, don't forget the Cleveland Browns traded up one pick to take Trent Richardson. Oh, that was a great idea, guys. Way to go. Uh, so the Jaguars drafted TJ Yeldon. Uh, so he could probably be... Uh, you know, a guy who plays a lot there because there isn't a whole lot right there right now. They've got Toby Gerhardt. They've got Denard Robinson, who, you know, was serviceable last year. Toby Gerhardt is totally lost and probably not going to be a, an every-down guy in the NFL ever. I, I would agree with that. Gerhardt's more of a backup. Um, I mean, we saw it last year when they tried to make him the every-down guy, and he averaged something like three yards a carry. Oh, um, I, probably worse a lot of weeks. Um, and Denard is best served as that change of pace kind of scat back who can catch some passes out of the backfield. I really think that TJ is going to be the starter for the majority of this year. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's only three running backs in this that I would in a redraft league I would take ahead of Todd Gurley, and TJ Yeldon is one of them. And that's even considering I think Gurley's going to miss the first six weeks. Okay, yeah, I mean that's what you're going to miss if you if they start you on the pup. So we'll you'll know about that obviously well before. They have to worry about uh, you have to worry about drafting, at least in most leagues. You'll have to know, you'll know that. And Yeldon was like an early second round pick, which turns out to be the best pick that the Jaguars have this year because they lost their first round pick already. Fowler, yeah, uh, there are two guys actually that were drafted in the first round that are totally down for the count because they both had ACL injuries already this year and are out for the season. That that sucks. 
That's terrible. It does. I do appreciate that the Jaguars still went ahead and signed him to a guaranteed contract after he blew out his knee because he hadn't signed his rookie contract yet when that happened. Well, I read the whole bit about him wow. and uh, the coach, like uh, I think Gus, uh, what's his name, Gus um, Bradley. Bradley. He went to the the hospital with him, and this guy was was very very mature for a rookie, and he was like, you know, I'm just going to work as hard as I can, like you move up, all the things that you want to hear from the guy. It, but you know this guy. You watched him in college. He's going to be a good player for a long time. So it's good that that they took that at face value and uh, and went ahead and signed him. I mean, sometimes an ACL could impact you for the rest of your career. But nowadays, if people have that injury, they could easily come back and play for six years without any impact. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, medical science is pretty advanced nowadays, and we've seen it over and over again that these guys can come back from this injury and be Isn't that really great that career ending injury can now like sort of be solved by science? It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And they're they're just given he's given a contract based on his potential. Yep. Oh. oh. <laughs> nice work, guys. Uh so in the third round Atlanta took Tevin Coleman. Uh he was the number seventy three pick overall. Um he is going in a situation where they need a running game because they they lost Steven Jackson. I I say lost they got rid of Steven Jackson because he became ineffective. They have Devonta Freeman, um, and for some reason, they nobody wants to give the ball to Anton Smith, even though he has like the best possible uh, touchdowns per carry ratio. Right, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, Smith Smith was fun. I mean, actually, in our in our dynasty league, the worst team in the league played Smith every week. The early part of the season, he kept putting up like fifteen points because he'd break an eighty yard touchdown every week. Damn you, yeah. Vince. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like I still like Smith for his home run ability, but I don't think he'll ever be you know a uh, top two running back well, no on the there's team. a reason why they're not giving him the ball that much but they do know that that with his limited uh breakout capacity he'll use it to to his fullest potential right and i do believe that Drink at, it up. At, yeah i believe at some point this season maybe even in the preseason before we get going tevin coleman's going to unseat Devonte freeman as the starting running back See, that's what i was wondering about so you really think that he's going to end up being the number one running back yeah I, I mean he's he was phenomenal at indiana last year uh i mean there there were games where literally you knew he all they were going to do was turn around and hand the ball to tevin coleman you every single play and he put up over 200 yards in those games i mean he ran for over 2000 last year for indiana um and there's a lot of talk that he's not a good fit for Atlanta's zone blocking scheme, but I guarantee you their offensive coordinator, uh, Kyle Shanahan, signed off on him being the pick. Otherwise, they wouldn't have drafted him where they did. So yeah. obviously, if the offensive coordinator he's like the thinks perfect he fits, size for a running back. If the coordinator thinks he fits the scheme, I'm not going to question whether or not he does, especially one who's had as much success with the running game as Kyle Shanahan has. Yeah, and they'll be passing the ball first, anyways, so that'll help take some pressure off the running game. True. I mean, they've got they've got some weapons, especially if Roddy gets, stays healthy this year. And I mean, and the yeah, old, one more full year of Jones and White is really nice. The, I mean, the biggest key for Atlanta is a healthy and stable offensive line. That was what killed them last year. Injuries right. across Injuries the line, everywhere. Sam Baker, I think the first week with a torn ACL. Well, Roddy White kept playing like injured. You know that that sort of thing is ridiculous. In terms of a fantasy outlook, because you want a guy who's going to be able to be effective when he starts, but you have no idea if he's actually going to be able to play. Uh, at least Roddy White's the kind of guy who's like, if I don't practice, don't start me. <laughs> he just tips his hand when he's going to be used as a decoy. Which you shouldn't do if you want it to actually be successful as a decoy. <laughs> that does, yeah, ruin the whole concept of decoying. Uh, so Amir Abdullah in uh, for the Lions... 
Uh, so they have Abdullah, weird, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, Abdullah. Yes. They have a weird running back situation where there isn't a whole lot uh, driving it at the moment. They've got Joyke Bell. Uh, they got rid of Reggie Bush. They had who was the uh, rookie last year? Uh, they, they they didn't have a rookie. Um, Theo Riddick has Theo. been there for two years now. Yeah. So Theo was filling in when Reggie Bush kind of went uh, out of out of capacity because he was injured, and he did a good job. But he was never going to be like the incumbent. Really, they were just kind of waiting for whoever was was going to come in and unseat him. Now Theo might still have a role there, but he's not going to be the guy. So I think it's more likely that it's some combination of Abdullah and Bell. Now you were just telling me, Sean, uh, before the podcast. That there were some rumors or there was some uh, information kind of brewing about maybe uh, um, Abdullah outseating uh, and, and upsetting Bell for the number one position. Um, yeah, I think he's more than capable of being the number one back in Detroit this year. Um, and that, I mean, I think that's I think almost what Detroit's hoping. You don't draft a guy like that in the second round without the intention that he's going to play this year. Um, and you look at Joyke Bell. I mean, I forget exactly when he's going to turn 29. I don't know if he already is or if he's going to turn 29 during the season. But we all know running backs kind of fall off a cliff after 30. Um, and he's averaged under four yards a carry the last two seasons. Um, that's something that... He'll be 29 this season, so he'll be 30 next season. Okay. So, I mean, but again, that doesn't give him a long shelf life as a running back and, in the NFL. Yeah. And he hasn't reached four yards per carry in back-to-back seasons. He's Granted, he's going to be a tougher between-the-tackles guy than Abdullah, and he's probably still going to get some goal line work. But um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Spark scores that they do. Um, Nike um, does their own kind of testing and gives these guys Spark scores, which is kind of just measures just their general explosiveness and how just, you know, how yeah explosive and athletic they are. And um, Amir Abdullah had by far the highest grade of any rookie running back this year, um, scoring in like the 97th percentile of all the guys that they've tested ever. Um, so he's just, I mean, he's just a, a great athlete. Who's, Good test taker. No, I mean, this is, this, this is an athletic test. It's not the Wonderlick. I mean, this is something where they're testing how explosive and agile and I know, but there's something are. to be said, too, about that in that respect as well, right? Like, there are guys that are just really good at the combine that, that never really relates to their actual NFL day-to-day uh, you know, performance. True, but, but Abdul is a guy I saw play a lot at Nebraska, and it translated to the field. The guy was a, a stud for Nebraska, and I expect him to be really good in the NFL. And another interesting note, um, obviously, like I said, Joyke is kind of on his way out eventually in Detroit. They also had signed an undrafted free agent named Zach Zenner, another name to keep in mind, um, out of, I believe it was North Dakota State. Uh, he's Division One AA, but for the last three years in college, he ran for over 2,000 yards, and he also had the second highest spark score this year. So in this why? Class. So why was he undrafted? Because he went to North Dakota yeah. State. <laughs> I mean, not University of North Dakota, North Dakota State. Well, I mean, North University of North Dakota is, I think, lower uh, division of college football than North Dakota State. North but, Dakota State. Um, it might even be South Dakota. It's either North Dakota State or South Dakota State. I'm not 100% sure for Zenner. But like oh, I said, he well, ran... We're talking South Dakota State. He ran for over 2,000 yards for three straight years. And I think at some point, not this year, but eventually the combination is going to be Abdullah and Zenner as their one-two punch. So you're, you're counting on Bell to kind of be phased out here. Yeah, I mean, it might not happen fully this year. Like I said, I expect him to continue to get goal line work this year. I expect his workload to be reduced and Abdullah to take a big chunk of it. Yeah, that's... Um, I mean, I could see Abdullah getting anywhere from 10 to 15 touches a game, which he could be very, very useful with. Uh, we're talking probably RB3 this year. 
Um, I would say he's one of the three guys that I would probably draft ahead of Todd Gurley of as far as a redraft league this year. Wow. So you think because of the fact that Gurley was injured and might be eased in in St. Louis, that he will probably overcome or be better than all of this draft class. However, that won't happen until years two or three. Oh, I, I think Gurley, once, once healthy, is going to be a stud. But the question becomes... When does he play his first game? I so mean, in a redraft league, you wouldn't draft him, but in a I, dynasty no, I, league, you I would. I would it's at a certain point. I mean, if you're taking a shot Don't on him, him undrafted. as a borderline running back three, running back four, but just know you probably have a dead roster spot for the first six or seven weeks of the season until he comes back and plays. But once he plays, he's on par or better than Melvin Gordon. So what's your opinion on that? For example, let's say Le'Veon Bell, right? He's he, he's going to be good this year. He was good last year, but he uh, has a, a three-game suspension. So... In the case of three-game suspension of the guy that was one of the best running backs last year, he still doesn't get drafted in the number one position, even though his stats say that he should because of the suspension. So he should probably be taken somewhere more along the lines of like late first round or early second round, but he'll probably be overdrafted. Do you oh, think I... this, the same thing would probably happen to Todd Gurley unless your league really knows what they're doing, which means that someone is probably going to scoop him up early. And what you're saying, I think, is don't fall... Uh, you know, uh, to that. I, I think what, what would be, especially if you have guys, someone drafts Gurley in, you know, the second or third round, or you can tell kind of reached for him. Um, they obviously are, are kind of, they don't necessarily completely know what they're doing. So what I would do is sit back. Maybe you have a running back who kind of blows up the first three or four weeks unexpectedly. Trade him for Gurley. Nice. While they're sitting there like, I just had this empty roster spot. Especially if they draft him not knowing if he's going to start on the pup list or not. They right. may be... A little bit like, oh, shoot, he's going to miss six weeks. Then you can quickly make a move and be like, here, take this guy who's doing really well. And then, you know, only get a couple dead weeks, you know, on the roster from Gurley. And then he starts blowing up for you. I mean, that's that's the whole reason why I'd avoid drafting him as highly as, you know, his what his week-to-week production will be is because he's just an empty roster spot for six weeks. You know, his total points aren't going to add up to what some of those other guys will. Yeah, you have to make sure that you can win early. So it totally makes sense that he's going to fall to be an RB3, maybe in leagues that aren't paying attention in RB4. Are you talking about the third and fourth rounds? No, no, no. Third and third, third and fourth, fourth running like, back three, running back four on your yeah. roster as far as where you draft them, like the third running back you take. Right. Okay, so it just like, gets a little confusing. Running back number 21 through 30 or 31 through 40. So you're talking about not his production will be RB3, RB4. You're talking about... He'll no. be he'll be drafted as your running back three oh, or four. Right, his right. production is probably going to be RB two to once, RB one. Once he's starting for the Rams, I would probably. I mean, I think he's an every week starter for your fantasy team. Okay. Uh, so a couple other running backs to check in on: uh, Duke Johnson of the Browns. Uh, the Browns keep running through running backs. Is he going to work out any better than all the rest of them have? I, I really question that pick by the Browns. I don't know what they were thinking unless they really don't like Terrence West. Um, because from as far as I can tell, I mean, you just drafted West last year, and Crowell looks like the best running back on the team, and he was undrafted last year. So they both just started their uh-huh. careers a year ago. So to draft a guy like Duke Johnson, who's more of a, more of a at this point, going to be more of a third down back than anything, um, you know, I really question that pick. There's probably there's plenty of holes in the Cleveland Browns roster. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of other things they could have done with that pick other than take Duke Johnson. I don't know if they just had him really high on their board and just stuck to their board, um, but it's a it's a curious pick. Yeah, I mean, the really, they haven't been known for drafting well lately, so that may explain it. 
True. I, in my opinion, he's not a guy I'd want on my fantasy team, except maybe as like a late round flyer. I okay. mean, I, I would certainly. I mean, at this point, because they drafted him, I might be tempted to take him over a Terrence West. But I think Crowell is the guy to own if you want a Cleveland Brown running back. Right. So I mean, if you're looking at the third guy in Cleveland, stay away from him fantasy wise. And Jay Ajayi, uh, running back, Dolphins. So he, as a compliment to Lamar Miller, could be really good. Lamar Miller is obviously. The, the person that they've sort of focused uh, on over the past year. But the problem with the Dolphins is they've built up their offense so much. And you were kind of unsure if they really liked Lamar Miller or not because the first couple of years that he was their running back, they tended to go with the other option more than him. However, this past year, they did really well with Lamar Miller at, at running back. And Noshan Moreno, who was originally taking the position was injured and unable to uh, to help out at all. So it was pretty much all of Miller's job. Um, but I'm thinking, and I'm worried a little bit about Lamar Miller. So two-part question. As far as Jay is concerned, uh, do you think that he'll be more than a compliment to Lamar Miller or just that? Do you think that there'll be issues with the knee that, that has sort of been a problem in his college career a little bit and people have been bringing up? And uh, in the second part, I guess there's three parts. My apologies. <laughs> Three-part question. And the third part is uh, sort of unrelated to rookies. Do you think that the Dolphins have something against Lamar Miller and that's why they keep putting people in, taking his carries? Um, I don't think they have anything against Lamar Miller. Uh, not, <laughs> like not he in, threw a stink bomb at the GM's mom or something? He, I mean, he was <laughs> deflating football. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> no, um, as, far, as far as I can tell, I don't think they have anything against him, but they really have, it seems like, refused to kind of give him the full workload. Even when Sean was out, how many carries did Daniel Thomas get in those games? A and, lot. At least and half. Damian Lamar Williams. Miller, I mean, Lamar Miller, a guy that we've looked at before, he kind of drops off after he's had 15 carries in a game. So he, oh, I don't his, know that he, his production drops off. I think they just quit giving him carries. No, in games when he gets more than X amount of carries, like there's a clear line, and I could look up the stats and give them to you later, but there's a clear line where he's very effective through the first 12 or so carries. We have noticed And after this. that, it's he's, just... He's Trash. absolutely right. Now, whether or not that is because of Lamar Miller himself or because of some other factor. They could be putting him in the wrong situation and stuff like that. We're not um, sure. But I don't know even if the Dolphins are looking at that, but that is sort of the case. Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and that he's just not getting that many carries at the end of the game. So he's not given the chance to be really strong in terms of like the fourth uh, quarter and stuff like that. Right. That you sometimes get to rack up uh, yardage as a running back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you mean, but at the same time, I think um, with Lamar Miller, he gets more than 15 carries so rarely. Maybe he just doesn't have the conditioning to handle more than 15 because he never gets it. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why they seem to shy away from him getting the full workload. Maybe they don't think he can handle more than 15 or so carries a game. Sure, it's a little bit, you know, of they're looking at it from both ways, and it's sort of, uh, you know, just very... Uh, verifying it itself right and, to, and to get back to the, the initial question too as far as again we're talking about rookies to so get back to jay i i'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name because i'm gonna butcher it all i know is he went to jay I, I, I like to call him jay aj AJ? <laughs> i have no idea how to pronounce it well we know it aj and it's aj why i think right um, but uh but uh the, the thing with 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 jay is that he um I, the last report I read, he had there's a ton of medical red flags about his knee, and that there's basically it's basically bone on bone in his knee. Ouch. Um, 
But from everything I've, I've read and understand about it, it's something that's going to affect him five or six years down the road. I think year one, he serves as a compliment to Lamar Miller. Um, because, again, they don't want to give him the full workload. But I think right. by year two, year three, he is the guy in, in Miami. And they'll ride him for a few years until he gives way. And, I mean, he's not somebody I'm grabbing in the first round of a dynasty draft. But he's somebody that I think you can ride for a few years and get some really good production out of him. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to that. He is like a fifth-round pick. So, I guess uh, it, it, was his value dropped because it, of the 100% because of the red flags for the, for the knee. Okay. Um, I mean, if, if, if he had no knee issues... He's probably the third or fourth running back off the board. I mean, he and would be much higher in most people's rankings because he had that kind of talent. Right. Uh, so, on to wide receiver. Any other running backs of, of interest in the draft? Uh, I mean, one other guy to mention, especially for the first year, you're going to want to keep an eye on is David Cobb from the Titans. Okay. Uh, I mean, they don't like Bishop Sankey. I was going to say, is he unseating the great Bishop Sankey? I mean, well, I mean, it started from the beginning of the year. They complained about his footwork, and we all kind of laughed it off. Like, he's a running back. What do you mean his footwork's wrong? Right, right. But then you watched him play, and you're like, oh, his footwork's off. He looks like <laughs> I mean, he's, like, yeah, going to run into the wrong guy. Uh, yeah, Sankey was not very productive, so they want to at least give him some competition. And Cobb is a guy who... Isn't going to dance around. He's going to find the hole. He's going to hit it, and that's kind of what they want. They One want that kind of, of yeah. He's not he's not fancy. He's not a crazy great athlete, but he hits the hole and he gets what's there. And he you know he's going to keep the chains moving. He's I, not I think dance like Bishop Sankey. Yeah, I think he's going to be a. Um, I think he's going to be surprisingly productive in his rookie year. I think he's going to end up unseating Sankey and getting a lot more carries than Bishop. So where did they take him in the draft then? Um, I believe David Cobb. Here we go. Yeah, he's another fifth round pick. Yeah, fifth. Yeah, uh, number one thirty eight out the of draft. out of Minnesota. Which, by the way, the yes. Big Ten had a really good running back class this year. They certainly did, and of course, a good tackle class as they always do. Yeah, and again, don't forget, um, Jeremy Langford was drafted in Chicago. I don't know what they're how they feel about Kadeem Carey, but again, it's Matt Forte's contract year, so something to keep in mind for. Yeah, I was just reading today that uh, John Fox was like, I don't mind using a running back all the time. Uh, I know. I think Matt Forte's value is going to be a little inflated going into the draft because of how well he's done lately. Um, but he's still probably going to get over 300 touches. This the, year. the question mark is how many catches is he going to get? Is he going to get anywhere near the volume in the passing game he's gotten under Mark Trustman? It's unlikely that he gets 100 or even 80, but I could see 60 easy. Keep, keep in mind, under Mark Trustman, Charlie Garner caught 92 passes as a Philadelphia Eagle. <laughs> that won't happen. <laughs> with without without trust. Well, he made there. an MVP of what? Rich Gannon. Yeah, trust. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's right. It was with Oakland, not with uh, not yeah. with Philly. It was with Oakland. Garner was with Oakland when Trustman was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that offense really inflates the receiving numbers for the running backs. I still expect. I mean, he's he's a big he's a great receiving back. He's still going to catch 50 or 60 passes. Yeah, um, and still be productive. He'll do but that I, just playing with Jay Cutler. But again, especially if they're not in the playoff hunt late in the season, I absolutely see them taking a longer look at Kadeem Carey and at Jeremy Langford and seeing who looks better for the following year. Because it's a contract year, and Forte's about, what, 29, 30? Uh, yeah, but Maybe at not the same quite time, that I don't think that they would worry about, you know, a Chicago team isn't necessarily going to be the kind that is going to just hang it up and play their rookies unless they're mathematically eliminated early. You know, the, the climate here is always such that, you know, people demand that they always have a chance until they're actually out of it. 
True, but... Which, which is probably a detriment in certain situations. True, but again, I mean, how much are you going to play to the fans and how much are you going to worry about making your team better for the future? I mean, it's... John Fox doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to pander to the fans. He's going to try to put the best team on the field. I hope that um, that's the case. Yeah, I mean, realistically, that's that's kind of the situation. Why, why worry about whether or not the fans are happy with who's on the field if you think it's going to make you better to play the other guys? Yeah, true. All right, well... We should talk about a few wide receivers, yeah? Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Wide receivers going to have some real production this year. I'm well, last excited. year was yeah. an amazing wide receiver class. And this year's is not as good, but it's good. So who were the good wide receivers last year? Just to compare. Oh, God, last year was... Uh, last year, well, obviously... Last year, we had, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham, um, Jordan Matthews in Philly was, yeah. was a stud. Yeah. Um, Martavis Bryant in... Uh, Martavis, Martavis had some real big games for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Calvin Benjamin in Carolina had some big games. So um, really, J- Jarvis Landry was a catch and target machine late yeah. in the season. Oh man! Uh, I mean, there there were a ton of stud rookie receivers last year. Uh, so I don't think that we're gonna get that again this year. That was sort of a that had to be a fluke, right? We can't. Um, yeah, that was last that. year's rookie receiver crop was one of the best of all time. Yeah. And right. it's good. you're going to see that play out over the next five, six, seven years. These guys were really good. Yeah, we keep talking. Uh, we started when we started Drink Five. We would talk about the third year wide receiver, and then we kind of dropped it down to the second year wide receiver. And now it's almost the rookie wide receivers. Just how amazingly impactful they can be. Uh, so the first wide receiver taken in the draft was Amari Cooper to the Raiders. I think that was maybe fourth overall. Um, he's an amazing athlete. He's got a big route tree. He's probably NFL ready. What do you think? There's, there's no probably about it. He's okay, an good. NFL wide receiver. Excellent. Uh, and he's it, almost his situation works perfectly because he works. He wins in the short and intermediate uh, you know, routes, and that's where uh, Derek Carr likes to throw. Carr has not really taken a lot of shots deep downfield, and Amari Cooper really he wins in that short to intermediate area, and I think he's going to just – I mean, in PPR leagues, he's going to be a monster for the next decade or longer. I mean, he's going to be great. Oh, that's fantastic. So a very early top pick in your dynasty draft. Yes. Uh, Amari Cooper might be the, the number one pick. Okay. All right. Uh, over Jameis Winston? Uh, well, I mean, if if it's not a two-quarterback league, Jameis Winston shouldn't be going in the first round. Interesting. Okay. Um, so Kevin White was taken here in Chicago by the Bears. They got rid of Brandon Marshall. Kevin White is going to be given an opportunity to play immediately, provided he's healthy. Um Everyone is learning the offense at the same time there. So everyone will be on the same page anyways. Do you think that that benefits rookies a lot to just be moving right into a new offense where everyone else is new in it as well? I think it depends on who the players in the offense are. I mean, you look at a guy like Martellus Bennett in Chicago. How many systems has he played for in his year in his years in Chicago or not in, in New York and Dallas and Chicago? He's probably yeah. played several different schemes, several different coordinators. You're a professional. You kind of learn how to adjust and how to make those changes. It's going to be a much well, bigger adjustment. There's for an a guy argument like, as to whether or not he's being a professional right now, but well, Bennett's probably not. Well, they're also for they're also planning yeah. to keep talking about trading him, which is never going to make a player happy. Yeah. No, and 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 Cutler's not going to be happy either. But Cutler still has to do what he's doing in order to finance. Cutler's still making a ridiculous amount of money. But he has to finance, you know, everything for his wife. She doesn't make her own okay. money on reality shows. Come on, if we if we're gonna spend even if we're gonna spend any time on this podcast talking <laughs> about Kristen Cavallari, I'm just gonna take the headset off. You've just done it. <laughs> You've done it, sir. You've mentioned. I'll, her I'll name. drink to that. Jeez. Uh, 
But I think Kevin White uh, could be one of the best picks out of this draft just because he is a big guy with good hands and someone that can maybe kind of replace Brandon Marshall's role in that offense. Now, he's not going to be immediately as good as Brandon Marshall just because of the fact that he's been there for a long time, etc. However, the Bears thought that Brandon Marshall was kind of a sore thumb on their offense, someone who wasn't contributing to the general motivation and uh, well-being. General well-being of the team. So, uh, if... If that's the opinion here, we have Cutler throwing the ball to a disgruntled tight end, uh, a sort of new uh, wide receiver one who has showed that he's been able to to be really good, and Alshon Jeffrey, but also showed that he was he was kind of um, back and forth, uh, sometimes not very good at the end of the season there <laughs> when Brandon Marshall wasn't available. And uh, Kevin White may be able to even eclipse him if Cutler decides that he's the target that is of choice. Right. I totally agree. And so I see Kevin White as being most likely the best rookie wide receiver this year in terms of the you know ability to put up fantasy points. He should have at least 60 catches. Um, they're going to need to lean on him in that offense. And Amari Cooper playing on the Raiders may not you know have a good enough quarterback to eclipse him. I smell a bet here. I think... I think that Kevin White is about the third or fourth best receiver for redraft leagues this do you, year. Do you think Amari Cooper will do better than Kevin White? Hundred percent. Well, then let's let's do a little bet on something. What do you guys want to do? Uh, oh, we like don't have lunch? any season long bets yet. A couple beers. What do you think? <laughs> now, what? But what scoring system are we using here, as far as determining who had the better? We'll year? use uh, our dynasty league. So, like a half point per half catch. Half point. Okay. Half point PPR regular. In that case, I feel pretty confident that it's going to be Amari. All right. This could be the first bet of the of the 2015 season. Yeah, we don't have a bet yet this year. So what would you like to bet, gentlemen? Um, I, I say a bomber. I'm good with a, I'm good with a bomber. Okay, let's, let's do two bombers. Ooh, this is, a, this is all right. Or a bomber over, over $10 or over $12 or something like that. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm down with that. So what's the bet officially? I got. Uh, I got to have well, people hand. Sean versus myself. Uh, I'll take Kevin White in. You know, a half point PPR. We'll we'll, we'll just say the. Hop I mean, heck, if, if you give me full point PPR, I'll take Nelson Aguilar over Kevin White. <laughs> take oh. Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, because the Eagles are going to make massive use of him. We'll get to him in a He's, second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it'll just be between Kevin White and Amari Cooper. Okay. 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 So half point right. PPR regular scoring First bet of the year. for uh, for a bomber for, for two bombers for two bombers. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in. Of of the uh, losers choosing, um, right, that's, right. that's the, fine. The, the, the one because we, we both have enough respect for one another that we're not going to get each other bombers of PBR. Right, you're getting <laughs> as a if mad such a thing exists. Do they sell PBR bombers? I, I, I mean, what if we get like a forty? No, I'm kidding. We both know we both know better than that. That beer is too large. That doesn't count. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, well good job, guys. Good job on that. Uh, let me let me pull up the next one then. Devontae Parker. Uh, wide receiver for the Dolphins. They have done everything they can to get Ryan Tannehill to be a, a great quarterback. He is a good quarterback in general. Uh, has been improving for the past three or so years. And now has a great offense behind him with a whole bunch of good wide receivers. Now, they just recently traded for Kenny Stills. They traded for uh, Jordan Cameron. They, uh, they also have Greg Jennings and Jarvis Landry, who was kind of a breakout performer last year. Um, in addition to some other guys on their team. So Devontae Parker, who is someone that could end up being sort of uh, an outside guy, right? Um, 
will he be able to start, first of all, ahead of Jennings, and Jennings just be that kind of veteran coach of a player? Um, could he be the go-to receiver this year over any of them? Uh, what do you feel like his outlook is for this year? Um, if, if I'm drafting, I try to avoid Devontae Parker. Uh, I just I don't like his outlook for year one. I don't like the situation. I like his talent. Um, I just really hate the situation he landed in. Uh, I mean, you look at that team, and you have too many guys. You have first of all, I mean, Tannehill's favorite target is Jarvis Landry. Landry's going to lead that team in catches again. But you also look at you added in Stills and Jennings, and don't forget Jordan Cameron. Yep. While we're at it, I mean, Parker may be the fifth guy in line for targets. Uh, I mean, that does not you know, add up to fantasy relevance in year one. Uh, I mean, there's probably gonna be some weeks where he plays well, but another important thing to keep in mind is Parker's best. His strength is probably the deep ball and making, you know, making the catch downfield. And that is absolutely Ryan Tannehill's weakness is connecting with receivers downfield. Just ask Mike Wallace about that. Well, I mean, there's a question there about, uh, about the connection between Wallace and Tannehill, but you're right. I think if there's any problem with Tannehill, it's that he's not really got that really good long ball. So if, if that is what you think Parker is maybe his strength would be, then I can see where that could be a huge divot in his possibilities. True. I mean, he's, he's more well-rounded than, than Wallace, especially once he kind of gets, hit, gets hits the ground running, gets a couple years into his career. But you don't think that this year, in 2015, no. that he'll end up being uh, capitalized on by, by the Dolphins' offense? I No. For me, he's probably the seventh or eighth rookie receiver that would come off the board in a redraft league for me. There's several other guys I'd take ahead of him. Okay. Any uh, any viewpoints from you, Jason? I there's just way too many targets. I agree with Sean. Way too many good targets on the Dolphins. Uh, this is the time for uh, Ryan Tannehill to start using the big name guys, not you know to keep teaching. You know, it's time for him to take the next step. He's going to do that with all these big names on his team. So, Sean, uh, I see you're pouring a new beer here. Uh, as soon as you're done pouring that, if you would tell us what that is. Uh, and it is uh, brought to us from uh, my girlfriend, Jessica, and she wanted a, a shout-out here on the show, so I'm giving it to her. Do we have know? to save some for her? Yes. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm ha- so, so grab some, Jason, when you're ready. And uh, what, What's it called? I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the actual It's uh, uh, The Telegraph? It's called it's, a it's Scotch, a scotch ale. ale. It's called The Telegraph, but I'm having a hard time finding the actual brewing company. Uh, I see it. It's on Solemn the Oath is the brewing oh, company. Oh, that's from Naperville. Oh, yes. But I also wanted to point out the one that we didn't mention that we just had a moment ago. Um, a, a brewing the, company. I've actually met the guys who, who own the brewery and, or, and run it. Uh, Beguile Brewing Company. Uh, based, uh, based in Chicago in the Ravenswood neighborhood. And we had something uh, an IP called Hop Hazardly, which was delicious. I like that name. By it was the way. Batch 90. Yeah, Batch 90 of 7. Hop Hazardly. 1% AP. Uh, yeah, I actually did the brewery tour last month. It's, uh, it's, it's a pretty great brewery, and I've had a few of their beers, and they're very delicious. I just want to give them a shout-out. It try, was very tasty. So Go out, try some Beguile. Out to Beguile. We, we give a shout-out here mm, from the Drink Five I'm enjoying show. some of it right now. Cheers, guys. Let's take a little, little break to enjoy our beers here. Mmm. Uh, and while we are breaking, I just want to take this time to uh, let you guys know, if you are listening on Mixler, uh, you can listen live to our show. Generally is on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. And our usual, um, the usual way we do it is we have a, a regular show for an hour, an hour and a half. 
whether that's uh, fantasy football or the Retro Spectacle, which is a topical podcast. After that, we do um, a TV soup episode, which is whatever we're watching right now. Right now, it happens to be Daredevil from Netflix, which is a really good show. I encourage all you guys to watch that show. We're having a really good time uh, breaking that down. And Drink5.com is going to have a whole bunch of content, of course, every year it does, for fantasy football stuff. But even in the offseason, we provide a lot of good content on all kinds of topics that you guys are fans of. If you have any topics you want us to cover, you know, just reach out to us at davidrink5.com or jason at drink5.com. Uh, also, remember to follow us on uh, Facebook at Drink5Network and Twitter at Drink5. And uh, it'd be a big help also, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, to rate it on Stitcher and or iTunes, where you can find us at Drink5Network. So let's move on to the next guy. We were talking about uh, wide receivers. And we just went over Amari Cooper, Kevin White, Devontae Parker. Well, the fourth guy that I have on my list is Nelson Aguilar from the Eagles. Um, he originally is from what college? USC. USC. And with Macklin gone to the Chiefs, Jordan Matthews and Josh Huff were the favorites to excel in Chip Kelly's prolific offense. But Aguilar is a perfect outside target and can also play inside. He might be in and out all year. How will he perform this year, and what does that mean for the other receivers? Um, I expect Aguilar will be – he'll take the Jeremy Macklin role. And Macklin was a stud last year. Uh, for anyone who owned him, you know that. Um, I don't expect his numbers to be as prolific as what Macklin did last year. Sure. But Aguilar, especially in PPR leagues, is going to be outstanding. Uh, I expect Jordan Matthews is the number one guy there, though. He's going to obviously lead the way. I think Ertz is going to see more targets at tight end. Ertz. Um, but <laughs> but I just think I think Aguilar – I mean, I don't know that Aguilar's long-term you know, arc is going to go way, way up, but he's going to be, just be a constant PPR monster throughout his career. And I think it starts year one. I think he hits the ground running and is – a wide receiver three at worst this year. So what you're saying is there's a lot of room there for all of the fantasy guys on this team. Maybe not Josh Huff since he's kind of coming into it, but Jordan Matthews and Aguilar will both be fantasy relevant as well as Zach Ertz. That's what you're saying? I oh, Yeah, 100%. And I also, just, just to throw the name out there, I mean, you mentioned Josh Huff. I think Josh Huff should be a little wary of Devontae Davis, who's an undrafted free agent. Wow. Um, that they added who... Um, can can at least challenge him for a spot, uh, you know, actually regular playing time. Well, I heard a lot of good things about Huff in the offseason, but generally, you know, that's what you always hear is coaches talking up the guys. It's not like they're going to be like, this guy that we've had for two years is pretty bad. Well, here's the thing. He's though. really not improving at all. <laughs> I, I, again, I think, I mean, Davis has an uphill battle. I mean, Kelly's bound to take the guy with more talent. But, but he could. But keep in mind that Huff went to Oregon. Okay. Sure. Something to keep in mind and played for Chip Kelly. So, I mean, it's an uphill battle for Davis, but he's a name to keep an eye on in preseason. Where did so, Davis go? Oh, God, I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, That's, we got uh, Sean. Uh, so does the quarterback. I here. It's UNLV. Does the, quarterback, ah. does the quarterback on the Eagles even matter? I mean, last year, last year for some of the year, it was. Mark Sanchez. Okay. And it was. <laughs> Nick Foles. Right. And now Nick Foles is on St. Louis. Mark Sanchez is a backup, and they traded for Sam Bradford. Now, you, a lot of people think, and I think that this is the correct uh, um, viewpoint, that he traded for Sam Bradford in order to get the, the fodder to get Mariota. But 
I think that they'll be okay with Bradford too because I don't think Chip Kelly's offense really cares who the quarterback is as long as he's a solid uh, uh, quarterback with with good fundamentals that's able to throw the ball. I I really believe that he traded for Bradford being being okay if he had to keep Bradford and start him because this is probably the most similar offense that Bradford's played in to what he played in at Oklahoma where he was a star quarterback that he's ever played in in the NFL. Um, I think it's, I mean, because they played that spread, hurry up offense. And I think now playing it in Philly, I think he's going to be great. And even if he were to get hurt again, which seems to keep happening to him, we've already seen that Mark Sanchez can keep this offense productive. You mean Tim Tebow. <laughs> so is Riley Cooper now just relegated to the bench with all these good receivers that were drafted? I mean, he, he may see some snaps, but before the end of the season, he's going to be an irrelevant player. Aren't they going to be, you know, in three wide receiver sets a lot of times, though? Um, yeah, well, and when they, they are, it's going to be Jordan Matthews, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and then either Josh Huff or Devontae Davis. Yep, huh. I, I agree with you. And so, Jason, let me ask you, why do we keep talking so much about the Eagles? Damn you, Chip! Because they picked up DeMarco Murray and Ryan Chip Matthews. Is crazy. And they're going to have a great team this year. Their offense they is just insane. When, when your number two running back has proven that he's capable of running for a thousand yards, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be good on offense. When your number three running back was the tenth best fantasy running back a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little concerned with how willing Chip Kelly has been to let some of their defensive players go, and we'll see how their defense looks this year. But I feel like he knows what he wants to do. He knows what the players that he wants and what fits what he wants to do, and they're going to make it work. I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. That's yeah, yeah. going to be interesting. Uh, Brashad Perryman on the Ravens. So will he walk in Torrey Smith's footsteps? And what I, by that, I mean, will he develop and perform well for a couple of years as like a number two guy? Um, a lot of people have, have had questions about Perriman's hands. Uh, is that maybe more of a question of the bad quarterbacking he had while in college? Do you think that Perryman will end up being more than what they drafted for? Um, I I don't. I think Perriman's going to be a lot better than people realize. I think so he that, will be. He'll be more. Than oh what yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, he'll be he'll be very good. I think. Um, I think the hands issue is overblown. I, from what I've heard, all of his, his workouts leading up to the draft, his hands were fine. There were no issues there. Um, and he's got blazing speed. Uh, you know, he's actually the son of a former NFL player, too. His father, uh, Brett Perriman, played for the Lions and Saints for a long time. Uh, and he walks into a perfect situation. I mean, Steve Smith is how old now? I mean, 36, 37? And maybe we, even we older, saw last year Steve Smith was relevant for about four or five games. And then he started to sort of fade into obscurity again. Right. And I, I really think Perriman has the ability, he has a higher ceiling than Torrey Smith. I think he can be a better football player. And just to force myself to drink, he has more upside than Torrey Smith. <laughs> but can um, he draw as many defensive interference penalties? Will it matter if he's catching the ball instead of drawing interference penalties? Oh, man. Um, I'm, I would be amazing as a fantasy owner. As of this year, I would say he and, like, I said, like, I'd put Kevin White at third or fourth in terms of. Um, you know, redraft leagues at wide receiver for rookies. Perriman is the guy that I'm kind of waffling between which one's better, him or Kevin White. In dynasty leagues, I would take Perriman ahead of White, which is, I would say it's Cooper, then Perriman, and then White in dynasty leagues for receivers. Wow. Wow. that That's pretty strong words. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the in the Bears organization to turn this stuff around that quickly. 
But man, uh, do you think that's because of Kevin White's inability to run more than just a couple different routes? I I think I mean Kevin White was as far as his that, track that's pretty, record. Pretty strong words from you. That's what I'm saying. As far as his track record, Kevin White is kind of a one year wonder so far. I mean, he had one big year at West Virginia. His measurables jump off the chart at you, but we haven't seen him consistently produce year in year out. Um, whereas. With Perriman, I mean, granted, he didn't exactly set the world on fire for four straight years in college or anything like that, but he lands in a situation where everything points to him being the number one wide receiver with a very stable offense with a really solid quarterback in, in Flacco and who's got probably another five or six years as the quarterback of that team. So what you're saying is is that White, for example, he doesn't have like that track record of multiple years of, of good production. True, and and who's to say that his quarterback next year isn't David Fails or some rookie <laughs> that they draft? You don't it know how long pretty, Cutler's going to be there. It could be pretty bad. And it also, it doesn't look like he's – I mean, at this point, it's hard to project that he's certainly going to be ahead of Alshon Jeffrey at some point. Whereas Perriman looks like he's going to be the number one receiver as soon as Steve Smith retires or fades even a little bit. Which is probably this year, if not next year. Right. Yeah, I mean, Steve Smith faded last year. So for Dynasty Leagues, I would expect, for example, I would expect Steve Smith to be decently good this year for the first couple games uh, because last year he at least lasted five or six with, with some good production, right? Yeah. Um, so this year, maybe three, four games and then kind of fades out even more. Uh, and that's sad. I mean, Steve Smith is a great guy, but unfortunately... Whoa, whoa, he, whoa. Let's, let's not jump the gun off the field. I don't know that he's a great guy. He's he's done nothing. I mean, throughout his career, he's done a lot to provoke uh, opposing teams <laughs> off the field and in comments with the media. Calling him a great guy might be taking it a step too far. Unless All right, you're talking about a great. I mean, he's great, a great player. player. He's been a great player right, throughout his enough, career. Fair enough. Um, and another. So name, Sean doesn't like Steve Smith personally. I don't. I don't dislike him. I'm just saying, like to jump. I mean, you don't want to pick a fight. With I him. I don't what know what sort of when, charitable things he does off the field. When we have Steve Smith on the show, we should probably leave Sean off of it. Is what you're saying? No, I'd love to meet him if he's ever here. <laughs> uh, but one other name I want to mention is far, while we're talking rookies with the Ravens, um, Darren Waller, uh, rookie out of Georgia Tech, wide receiver. He's I think he's either six four or six five. Ran a sub four four, forty yard dash. And he's got great leaping ability. He's kind of raw because he played at Georgia Tech in their triple option offense. But a lot of Georgia Tech receivers have turned into stud wide receivers in the NFL. I can see that happening with Waller and actually with DeAndre Smelter, who the, the 49ers drafted as well. Both right. guys have a ton of upside. Nice. Well, those guys weren't on our list. Um, but, of course, your list is going to be more comprehensive than ours. Uh, so, Philip Dorsett drafted in the first round by the Colts. Um there is some talent there. I don't think they're blowing the world up with, uh, you know, wide receiver talent. Where does he kind of fit in with that? Just, I mean, he's a head scratcher for me. I had no idea what they were thinking when they drafted Dorsett. I don't know if they drafted him solely to be a return man coming in and eventually maybe work his way into the receiver group. Yeah, because he's not like that big as a re- traditional receiver. He's he's lightning quick. His his forty yard dash was like four three or just under four three. It was really fast. Um, he, I think it was actually the fastest of the the receiver crop this year. Um, so, I mean, he does have speed, uh, and they're going to find, I mean, Andrew Luck's going to find ways to get the ball in his hand if you line him up out there. Uh-huh. But you have to look at just how many guys are ahead of him on the depth chart. I mean, you've got. They just signed Andre Johnson. You still have T.Y. Hilton, who's been Luck's favorite target. Oh, yeah. And he's just signed great. Andre Johnson, who do, who's not dead. He's not done for. He's going to be he a really solid player. Yet. He is no Black Knight. He is not. Don't put him out to pasture just yet. 
Um, and I still think Dante Moncrief is better than anyone else beyond those two guys. And they got a couple good and tight ends to throw you the got, ball to You as got well. Fleener. You got uh, Dwayne Allen. And don't forget, they also added Chris Carter's son, Duran Carter, from the Canadian League. Uh, it's going to be his first year in the NFL this year, too. And he's got a ton of potential as well. Yeah, and he's enormous. 6'5", 205. What, Duran? Yeah, Duran yeah. Carter. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, Philip Dorsett's only 5'10". It seems like a little small. Although, like, Antonio he's, Brown's he's having a, slot a lot of receiver. success. Yeah, at that size. I mean, it, this. I mean, drafting Dorsett makes you question what they think about Moncrief. But if it's if if they're just sticking to their board and he was the most talented guy left, I get it. You can use him as a return man right away. But as far as redraft dynasty league or not not dynasty, I'm sorry, redraft league. So I just combined the two. Um, but as far as redraft is concerned, I'm not drafting Dorsett in my league. He's not going to play enough to be worth your while. Um, right. In dynasty, he's probably a later pick for me, third, fourth round, yeah. despite being a first round pick in the real draft. Uh, so, Doriel Green-Beckham, drafted by the Titans, um, I believe at the very beginning of second round. Is that right? Um, I think he was like pick, I think he was in, pick 40 or in the 40s. Uh, pick number 40. Yeah. Doriel Green-Beckham, 6'5", 230, out of? Uh, Doriel Green-Beckham was, well, it's kind of a long story. <laughs> <laughs> he started at Missouri, got booted off, um, went to Oklahoma. He transferred to Oklahoma, sat out the year you have to sit out, and then before he ever played for a game for Oklahoma, declared for the draft. Oh, what a so guy. So he, he sat out his year and then made the jump so after sitting out So technically Missouri. Yeah, Missouri is the only place he actually played college ball. Um, the biggest question mark with Green Beckham is where is his conditioning going to be after a year of not playing football? Right. But his measurables stack up with Calvin Johnson. Yeah, 6'5", 237. I mean, in his, if you add in his speed and athleticism, it stacks up with Calvin Johnson. I mean, that's, that's his comparison. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to walk in the door and be that good from day one, um, but... He's the best receiver on the Tennessee Titans. It's a pretty good right name now. to pick out. He's a lot the, of times people get compared to other guys, and you're like, "Oh, well, that's going to be like another okay guy." But you know, it's not every day somebody's compared to Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think he he has a very good chance to be the best receiver on the Tennessee Titans right now. Uh, I mean, the only guy <laughs> that's got any sort of experience there is Kendall Wright. Um, that's not saying a whole lot. No. About, well, Hakeem Nix probably has the most experience there. Uh, I mean, and I always liked Terry Douglas on the Falcons, but it was because true. he Douglas, had a guy Douglas who could get him the ball. As well. So I mean, at least they've got options. Yeah. But I, I think that everything in Tennessee points to DGB playing a lot, and I think Trey McBride has a lot of upside. Um, you know, as far as down the depth chart could work his way up to starter at some point this year too. So what you're saying is they're going to have rookie wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks running the offense in Tennessee. I think they're going to you're going to see a lot of rookies. It's going to that's why I think they win five or six games. There's going to be a lot of really growing pains. Sense, yeah. Um but I think there's a ton of talent and they drafted a lot of really good football players like I said. Uh, okay, um, Devin Smith uh, is drafted by the Jets. So they have Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. So obviously, he's not going to be like passing either of those guys anytime soon. Uh, but they have a lot of free agents that they picked up this year. Uh, where does he fall on that team? Is he going to be uh, worthwhile in a redraft league this year? Um, he's he's going to be a late a late pick, a guy you take a flyer on. Um, the key, the key with him, the big question mark, um, is going to remain who's his quarterback. Is it a guy who can get him the ball deep? Because that's what Devin Smith does is he's a deep guy. As far as dynasty and long-term, I don't want him. He's, he's Devery Henderson. He's Corey Bradford. He's, he's a guy who's going to 
I'm totally with you, Sean. He's going to catch that 40-yard touchdown pass, and you're like, oh, that was awesome. Or Chris Givens is rookie year when he caught a 50-yarder like four straight weeks. He's the one yeah. every single draft where you're like, this is the guy, but it's never the guy. So no. he, he can't quite pass that hump and turn into Martavis Bryant. He has to be right. in the perfect situation, and he's not in the perfect no, situation. I mean, do you, I mean, I think the best-case scenario for him this year is that Fitzpatrick ends up the quarterback because he's the only one of those three guys out of him, Geno, and Petty that I think can get him the ball deep. But he tracks and catches the deep ball as well as anybody in this draft class. But he's that's gonna be he's gonna be his a one hit wonder. The other two guys on his team like doing that. Nah, I, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall are pretty. Good. Think, no, no, no. Mar- Marshall's a possession receiver. They, and have, a red zone they both threat. have been a lot more possession receiver. Decker than is you would a red think. zone threat. Like they don't have an outside. Uh, I, I think down of Decker when guy. he was with Manning, he went S- deep a lot. Smith is Smith is going to hurt some teams deep. Um, I think he has some sneaky upside as a rookie. Um, again, I'm just I'm forcing myself to drink almost every rookie lately. <laughs> well, remember two years ago when Decker was on uh, Peyton Manning's team on the Broncos, uh, Manning still on the Denver Mannings. Manning still had the ability to throw the ball in the end zone from deep. He doesn't have that ability anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was Broncos. We're talking Jets. At oh, this no, point. no. But, <laughs> but, but this is my point. I mean, the, he's on a team now uh, where it's kind of the same situation as it would have been if Decker had stayed with the Broncos in that uh, the quarterback is not good enough to give you all the opportunities you need to be a really strong, relevant fantasy receiver. Uh, now that could be debated, of course, because I think that Peyton Manning is is Manning's his... fine. <laughs> yeah, Manning will be fine for a while. I, I think Manning's going to be just fine. I don't agree with that, but I think he's in his dying years as a quarterback. Uh, I mean, well, what, yeah. do you think the guy's going to play until he's like forty three years old? And what's going on here? Well, no, remember, oh, no, he's in his last year. Or a two. supernova gets the most brightest before it explodes. <laughs> he's not a star, man. He's a he's a quarterback. he's exactly a star in the NFL. Peyton Manning is the sort of guy that you don't like. He's like the guy that's like, I want all the money as much as possible up front right now. The reason that he's been good, so good so long is because he is a very smart guy. Right. And he plays don't on teams. Don't you want your quarterback to be smart? Yeah. Well, look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's one of the smartest guys in the league, but he's not he, one of the best you're guys. You're right. He, went, he did go to Harvard. <laughs> Anyway, I agree with you on Peyton his Manning position. Manning has the right combination of being a really smart guy and actually being really good at football. Let's rush a couple of these late guys. So uh, so Jalen Strong, uh, wide receiver, Houston Texans. Texans right now have DeAndre Hopkins and Cecil Shorts as their number one and two. Now, that's not terrible, but Hopkins is a really new guy, and Shorts is a guy that has been injured all the time. He's been good while he's been healthy, but he's been injured all the time. Uh, They just uh, gave up Andre Johnson, who went to the Colts, uh, but that's okay because it's not like he was going to be their wide receiver of the future anyway. So while they're rebuilding their wide receivers, uh, do you think that he'll end up as the number two receiver this year, or do you think he's more of a dynasty in the future kind of guy? Well, I think I think the question was strong is how healthy is he? He walks in with a wrist injury. I think it's wrist. Um, so he's going to come in um, kind of behind the eight ball. You do like him though, right? I I like Jalen Strong a lot. I yeah. think you missed the the one guy to make us all drink, which is Cecil Shorts on that team. Cecil oh, Shorts yeah, is Cecil always Shorts. a drink. Vibe. I was eventually going to mention him. But I'm I'll... sorry, guys, I forgot. Uh, those of you listening and uh, drink five. That's a universal social. We'll always have a drink five social. At the mention of Cecil Shorts. That so means, that means again, gentlemen. Oh man, <laughs> right. I, my glass is suddenly empty. Who's got an extra beer? My apologies. Over here? Uh, he does. I do. Have a Hopalicious, my friend. I'm going to have a Hopalicious. <laughs> I got it. 
All right, so just to kind of to dive into Jalen Strong, I think Jalen Strong is going to be really good. I was mad when the 49ers didn't draft him. That's my team, and they need wide receivers, so I was a little disappointed. You get mad at the 49ers pretty easily. Oh, God, they drafted a punter, guys. They drafted a punter <laughs> in the fifth round. Really early. I mean, this it's almost like that guy on your in your fantasy team uh, fantasy that drafts league. a kicker like three rounds to go, or even earlier. Oh God! Um, well, I mean, hell, the uh, but I really don't forget by the Robbie way, Gold, you guys. Don't forget, guys. The Patriots in round five drafted a long snapper who might not be able to play right away due to Navy obligations. Let me ask you a Just question. Just pointing that out. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. That's true, and they you knew that ahead of time. Apparently, he's a really good long snapper. <laughs> but when when he's they like a Patrick man. By the way, just want to point out one thing with long snappers. Connor Barwin, who's a actually a decent linebacker for the the Eagles, started his career as a long snapper. So like you said, you were at the uh you were at the NFL draft this year, you were at draft town. So while you were there, um where were you when the 49ers drafted a punter? That was actually on Sunday. Was on I was Saturday. not at the draft on or I'm sorry, Saturday. Okay. I was not there Saturday. I was there Thursday and Friday night. So, I was not there to yell about it. I on... want to imagine that like you are in the 49ers tent like punching 49ers jerseys. I tore the entire 49ers <laughs> tent to the ground. Like there was a disaster there. And then night. I burned it. No. I'm kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, a, a, a terrible tragedy occurred at the 49ers tent right after they drafted a punter in the 5th round. Um but no, that's the, Okay, so again, back to back on topic. Uh, Jalen Strong um, he was, uh, I, I really think that the first year is going to be tough for him to make a huge impact. Um, I think he's got a ton of talent, but he's going to come in already kind of a little bit injured. He's had some, some issues with his wrist. Um, and, um, but you never know. Cecil shorts has been dinged up a lot over the last couple of years. And again, I'll drink to saying the name Cecil shorts. Yep. Yeah. Up and down though. You know, like he's been really good, really bad. It's, it's... I, I think he'll be great as a number two. Deandre Hopkins is going to be better than Andre Johnson this year. Um, but I think long-term Jalen Strong is the number two opposite him. Do you mean uh, just to – you mean Hopkins will be better than, than Johnson was last year? Better uh, this year than Johnson was last year? No, I mean, I, I'm not going to specifically say that for the numbers because we don't know the quarterback situation in Houston right now. Well, you said better than Andre Johnson, so I want to qualify that. Colts numbers this year for Andre Johnson versus Hopkins numbers for the Texans. Hopkins will have better numbers. Oh, oh, I, oh I, see what, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's an, I mean, that's an easy statement no, to no, make. No, 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 no. I'm not betting against that. No, I, I didn't think so. But, I mean, as far as long-term, I think Jalen Strong is one of the top six uh, rookies as far as dynasty wide receivers. Okay. I would take him in the top six wide receivers in this class. Do you have a top six? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean. What's your top six? Amari Cooper, number one. I Br- agree with that. Brashad Perriman, number two. Really? So you like Perriman a lot. I do. I told you that. But, I mean. Um, I'm very torn between three and four between Kevin White and Nelson Aguilar. Um, I don't know what to make of White just because it's such a short track record. Um, and Aguilar, Aguilar has been, and again, we don't know who the quarterback is beyond this but year. But these, just to just to qualify this, is, this is for 2015, right? Or, no, this, no, this is, is dynasty. dynasty. This dynasty. is long term. Okay. Um, at number five, Doriel Green Beckham. Again, he measurables. He's just a badass. Their measurables are basically Calvin Johnson. Yep. Uh, and number six is Jalen Strong. I mean, that's the top six that I have. I, I like Strong a lot. I mean, I've, I've seen him play only a couple. I mean, I watched a few Arizona State games, uh, and he just was a, just every ball near him. He was, he was putting, catching and, and turning it upfield, too. Sure. Um, and, again, I think he's going to be hard-pressed to be great year one, but long-term he's number two opposite uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And as soon as they get a real quarterback there in Houston, the, he's going to be a stud. Okay, well, let's breeze over the rest of them. So we've got Devin. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Funchess. Devin Funchess for the Panthers. Out of, out of Michigan, so I should know where he went to school. <laughs> there you go. 
a uh, a big target, just like last year's draft pick of Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, does he affect Benjamin's production directly? Will he make an immediate impact? And and how will the the sort of uh, um, uh, outlook be on Carolina's receivers as they go in a in a let's say rate is what I'm saying rate uh, the receivers as far as their fantasy relevance from Kelvin Benjamin to Devin Funchess and Greg Olson? Um, I I think that, well, with, with Olson, his, his targets, I think, are going to be steady. I don't think he's going to have a huge drop-off this year. I don't think he's going to make a big jump this year either. I think he's going to be pretty steady. So if Funchess takes away from Benjamin, does that does that mean Olsen will be the, the target holder? No. I, 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 I still think... Here's the thing. With a guy like Kelvin, with the rookie year that he had, you'd expect him to build on it and get better in year two. I think Funchess hinders his ability to do much more than what he did last year. Okay. The one question I have with, with the Panthers is, who's the possession receiver? They just don't have one. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, unless Olsen becomes that guy, and then, like you said, maybe he is the target monster that they have. But both Funchess and Benjamin provide the same kind of skill set. I forget who his name is. They got him from the Steelers, who the Steelers got from somebody else who's been around the league forever. Oh, Cotri. Yeah, Cotri. Jericho Cotri. I mean, I guess I guess that's your possession But come on, Cotri's like 57 years old. Ah, he's not quite that old. <laughs> so between... Close, close, but not quite that old. You know, By the way, another... Speaking of possession guys who used to play for the Steelers, Lance Moore signed with the Lions Yeah, today. yeah, he did. But, and, but, yeah, but I mean, Lance Moore... Neither here nor there. Lance Moore didn't even play down. on the Steelers, really. He for a year. He was there for a year. He had yeah, like he had 14, 14 receptions. That's more than four. I mean, I don't know where I pulled four from. <laughs> no, no, I thought no, you were going to stop four. at four. Fourteen's always larger than four. Jinx, by the way. Yes, absolutely correct. He had like 14 receptions. He actually had a couple of really good receptions. If I remember correctly, I think Antonio Brown threw him a touchdown in the end zone. And one of those. <laughs> uh, but, but the point is, he did not have a whole lot of catches. Now, for the Lions, who have had real problems with that position as a possession receiver, that could be really good. I mean, he might even way improve on his uh, his stats from last year because Lance Moore is a sure-handed veteran receiver, really good on the Saints, and, and performed well in the Steelers too. Well, you know, Kelvin Benjamin had a ton of targets last year, 145 and only 73 receptions. Uh, so even if he loses some targets, I don't think he's going to lose – uh, a whole lot of production. He certainly has the potential not to, as long as he can catch the ball better. Um, and then Greg Olson had 84 catches last year, so you know he passed a thousand yards finally. They both finished with 1,008 yards, both Olson and Benjamin. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, Olson was tied for the number one receiver there, and he should probably still be in that top two for the Carolina Panthers for the next three years. I'll put this out there: Funchess isn't catching for a thousand yards this year. I'd put him in the seven to eight hundred range with maybe seven to eight touchdowns. So you you imagine Benjamin having the same kind of production with Olson having the same kind of production? Which basically Funches is just adding to the production rather I, than subtracting from the other. I would agree, but again, you're also looking at they lose D'Angelo Williams, so it's just one running back instead of two. So the the running yards maybe come down a little. Maybe some of the receiving out of the backfield comes or down. Or Cam a little. Newton runs a little more. We'll see. Yeah, geez. Uh, I think <laughs> Funches is a big target. He's going to get some touchdowns. Um, he makes them a little, but I mean, a little more dangerous. But again. You just you need someone who can move the chains, and that's the question: is do they have a guy who can, can sustain drives other than just making Cam Newton run it all the time to do it? Okay, granted. Well, so so very quickly, notable wide receivers: Justin Hardy, Falcons, new slot receiver in Atlanta. Uh, yes, uh, he basically steps into the Harry Douglas role. He's not gonna 
you know, blow you away with his athleticism, but he's going to be a steady guy in the slot. If there's any injury issues with Roddy White, he may have a better year than we expect. We should say something that makes us drink. Upside. He has upside. Upside. Cheers, everyone. Cecil Shorts. Uh, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, Seahawks. The Seahawks have had a bad track record. They really have not drafted good wide receivers for a long time. Could this be a really good pick with Lockett, or is it kind of more of the same thing, and it's it's not really going to be uh, uh, a pick that anybody looks at as a good pick um, looking back after a couple of years? Um, I, I'll i say this. I think you're a little off base saying they haven't drafted any good receivers. I think Doug Baldwin's been really good. Well, give, give me a break for a second. I Doug, think Jermaine... Doug Baldwin is an above-average receiver, but I, what I'm saying is they haven't drafted any great receivers for a long, they, long time. They've, I, Tyler Lockett's not going to be anything like that. So he's more of the same then. Tyler Lockett is going to start off as a return man, but down the road could be a plus version of Doug Baldwin. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not looking at this as like a, you know, an expose on the Seattle Seahawks and how terrible they draft. I'm not saying that at all because I don't agree with that. What I'm saying is they do not draft wide receivers really high in the draft that are really good and uh, have great measurables and are those kinds of Calvin Johnson's. They don't take those players. No, they because, take defense. Well, they take guys that fit their system. Right. So, so I guess what I'm asking is maybe I phrased it wrong originally. Uh, it, so they're drafting more players that to fit their system and not those that would break the mold. Well, don't forget they traded for Jimmy Graham. Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> of course. How could I forget? He's on my he's on my dynasty team. And I think that they're that's gonna... that's the guy that breaks the mold. You don't need to add that on the outside I if agree. you trust in the guys that you have that they're going to be able to, you know, make the catches they need to and move the chains. I mean, look at the catch Curse had in the Super Bowl. That's a whole nother debate too. I mean, to to think about Jimmy Graham from the Saints to the Seahawks, I don't know if he's going to be is it better or worse. I have no idea. He he changes the 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 total offensive dynamic of both teams. And now no one has any idea what the Seahawks are going to do in the red zone. <laughs> Marshawn yeah. Lynch, Jimmy you know, Graham. You know who should be really furious with that trade are, are Zach Miller and Luke Wilson. Oh, my God. <laughs> Luke Wilson was actually really good for Seattle. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, didn't he have a, a game where he had like two touchdowns or something? Wilson Wilson has crazy athleticism, but he doesn't have Jimmy Graham athleticism. A lot of those tight ends probably just switch. Just throw me the ball as much as you throw these other guys the ball, and I can be a star too. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. I, I think a lot of teams just don't take that chance at tight end when maybe they – they could be. You're absolutely right. Uh, so let's uh, Sammy Coates, wide receiver, Steelers, uh, a project uh, a little bit after Lockett. Uh, this guy has similar uh, measurables to a guy like Martavis Bryant, who the Steelers already drafted. Now the Steelers have Antonio Brown, they have uh, Marcus Wheaton, they have um, uh, Martavis Bryant. Obviously, they got rid of Lance Moore, and their other backup wide receivers are not really anything to speak of. So, do you think, based on your uh, inference from knowing the college play of, of a guy like that, um, do you think that he can compete for a starting spot this year, uh, or do you think that it's kind of just a future development project for the Steelers? I mean, he was he was a luxury pick for the Steelers. You don't need him. They took him, hoping he develops into a really good player. But I mean, at this point, he's he's a big target who can get downfield, but he doesn't have great ball skills. At this point, it's going to be Martavis at number two. And the best Coates can hope for immediately is to fight with Wheaton for the number three receiver targets. I mean, it'll probably be Wheaton then. It'll probably be Wheaton. Yeah. 
Um, maybe down the road he develops, but he's certainly a developmental guy. Um, it's going to take some take some effort to make him a real productive uh, okay. NFL receiver. Tight ends, Max Williams, Ravens. It looks like he's going to start immediately for the Ravens. Uh, your opinion on him? In redraft leagues, he's about the only guy who's relevant. Um, he's going to be more of a streamer option. His than name guy. is Max, which is awesome. With two X's. With two X's, guys. <laughs> It'd be better um, if it was three X's, but, I mean, come on. The, how many men? <laughs> but he's a porn star. God damn it. We can't do that. Um, how many Mad Max references do we get throughout the season? Uh, the, uh, probably five, based on the amount of production I think he'll have. Like five. Like five. Um, the thing is, he's going to start in Baltimore. They don't have much uh, behind him um, as far as tight end. They got rid of – I mean, Owen Daniels is gone. Dallas Clark is not a part of the team anymore. Because, um, yeah, he was there a lot last year too. And right. um, and don't forget, Dennis Pitt is po- probably done yeah. um, with his hip injuries. So Max is going to start. He's the one guy I'd consider drafting at tight end, but he's a tight end two or a streamer option um, at best because he's not going to be consistent week to week. Tight end is the hardest position to make an impact as a rookie. Just look at Austin Safarian Jenkins and Eric Ebron and Jason Morrow from last year who were all college studs and just did very little last year. Yeah, well, I have to say one thing. is I think uh, ASJ should do pretty well this year with their new quarterback, with their new – you know, system. Uh, you don't. You don't agree with that? No, I. I think he's gonna be great. Like I said, it's hard to make a year one impact. Yes, yes. 2015 is gonna be difficult for Max Williams because he's a new guy. Uh, and and going into that, and, Clive Walford from uh, from the Raiders, uh, who just drafted him. I think it was at the second round, not the first round. Uh, would he be a compliment to Mike Michael Rivera? Like, uh, is there is there even a reason to draft him in a regular draft at all? Um. Well, think of it. Think of it this way. I mean. Nowadays, you see both both set types of tight end. There's the move tight end who can be more of an H-back and catch passes in a variety of different ways. And then there's the inline tight end, which is more the traditional position. Rivera has more of kind of the move skill set. And, and uh, Walford is more of the traditional inline tight Blocking end. Blocking inline. So look at the, like the Colts as a perfect, exa- perfect example. Fleener is, is the, the move guy, and Dwayne Allen is the inline guy. He's more of – he's not as good as Allen. And I don't think he will be as good as Allen, but that's kind of the way to kind of look at the system, the situation. I think if there's one other tight end, I'd even think might have some decent games this year. It's Michael Pruitt from the Vikings, who factors in as more of that H back type of guy. All right. Um, Long term projection is uh, comparable to Charles Clay. So I mean, he's a guy to maybe keep an eye on down the road. Clay's been good and could be good uh, down the road too. So that's that's good insight. Uh, so thank you, Sean, for coming on tonight. We have a little bit more uh, to talk about, but uh, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to join us for the rest of it. So I just wanted to say thanks very much, uh, and and to to all those people listening, uh, the Rookie Report is a uh, is a column that Sean has every week, and that is just about how the rookies are doing, how they might be. Uh, doing coming up and what's great is he divides them into categories right of like must start uh think about starting and i'm i'm, I'm taking uh you know I, i'm not saying exactly what you're saying here uh what are the actual categories you divide oh, them gen- generally what i do um you know guys you should guys to start guys to start borderline guys which is you know and i normally right. kind of put which way i'd lean and kind of depending on the situation um guys to sit and then deeper league sleepers okay so uh, we'd like you to uh, keep on the lookout for that. Of course, we uh, will post it on to uh, all the different social networks and uh, everywhere else that we post everything from Drink 5. And we would like you guys to continue to check out our material as, as the year 
progresses. But we do have a little bit more of the show. So uh, thanks, Sean, for participating. Yeah, and, th- uh, thanks for having me. It's always a blast to come on and, and talk some football with you guys. Drink five, man. I think that, I think that one's actually mine. Drink. <laughs> I don't mean to take your beer. Cheers, buddy. All right. Cheers. Well, thank you for joining us, Sean. So, um, as far as uh, fantasy news is concerned, uh, we have a little bit about Tom Brady and Deflategate. So, let's just discuss just briefly. So, oh, how, can how, we not? Oh. Well, Jason, regardless of how you feel about this, this is a huge topic. And it will continue to be a huge topic for months to come because Tom Brady apparently just hired like the world's best defense team to represent him in this case. Yeah. Uh, so, how does this affect the Patriots players' fantasy values? For the first four games. And do you think that they will get it appealed so that that won't really matter? Look, Tom Brady has to appeal, I think, by Thursday of this week. And I am more than certain that we will know the answer to this question well before it's time to draft. Now, assuming he is suspended for the four games... Well, there are a lot of people that draft before you know July, August, September. So I don't think to I think that at least 75% of leagues draft in August or later. So... Um, I would have to say that if he is suspended, we talked about it earlier, what it costs missing uh, the game. You would have to treat all of the players uh, as if they were kind of missing uh, a game, uh, at least a few games, because you may not want to start certain guys if Tom Brady's not starting. Okay, let's see. Let's say that he, he does end up appealing or whatever happens, and he gets two games of suspension. Um, and I know you're saying that a lot of teams draft after this is decided, but we don't know that. We don't know exactly when it will be decided. We, we have no like idea when that's actually going to happen, especially if it goes into legislation. Uh, you know, not legis- Wrong word, but you know what I mean. Right. So, I mean, if Brady is not there and it's Garoppolo... Does this really bring down the team's fantasy value to a high point where you don't start anybody? Or is everything the same as it was pretty much? I can't say that you won't start anybody. You're probably going to be starting Gronkowski. Uh, Depending on what you see in the first couple weeks, you may want to start their running back. I I don't know if you're going to be starting a guy like Edelman uh, without Brady playing, you know? Okay. Uh, I don't know who else you may be... For sure, starting on that team other than Gronkowski. I think I would start an Edelman, but I wouldn't start anybody else. Yeah, Edelman, Gronk. Yeah, so I'm with you. Uh, and let's give a quick, uh, you know, uh, wind up right now how we see this going. So I think personally that that Brady should have the four game suspension. What do you think? Oh, I haven't really paid enough attention. Jason has no opinion. Adrian, I, I don't. I don't really care either way. Adrian Peterson looks like he'll be on the Vikings again this year. What does that mean for the Vikings? That's a great thing for the Vikings, I think. Adrian Peterson is a stellar running back. It's going to be good for the Vikings because they already have a brand built with him. So, you know, they don't want to get rid of him for nothing, which is what teams are probably offering. And he's going to play hard because he's Adrian Peterson. So if Peterson plays, do Asiata and McKinnon just kind of fade into the background? Uh, are they nothing, or are they valuable as fantasy assets in some kinds of uh, of a way? They're not any more relevant than uh, Toby Gerhardt was when he was there, and that is to say that they're only. But in a five. dynasty league, then uh, are they relevant still? Do you think that that sh- having the showcase that Asiata and McKinnon did last year uh, should like represent their value as being higher in a dynasty league, for example? 
Uh, possibly. So Adrian Peterson has played since 2007. Obviously, he missed last year, um, but he's played 104 games. I think that he probably still has another at least two, three years in him, which would probably make those guys not a great hold in a dynasty league unless you are specifically holding a handcuff you know, for Adrian Peterson. Yep, I agree with you. Dallas Cowboys running back situation. Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden. Who will run for 1,000 yards, or will it not be either of those, and they will get someone else? Um, it, Joseph Randall can run for 1,000 yards easy. Uh, Darren McFadden has fooled me far too many times to for me to say that he's going to go ahead and have the opportunity to do that. Right. But... Uh, someone is going to run for a thousand yards because their offensive line, line is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it totally just got amazing. better in this draft, which is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, who is the worst team for fantasy this year, and why? The Redskins, the Browns, the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, or the Titans. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> the The answer is the Browns because the Browns. Okay, think about that. The Redskins and the Titans are in there, and oh. to my mind, it's just so clearly the Browns that they're just that level of stink. Wow. Who who uh, are you starting on the Browns no matter what? I guess Isaiah Crowell. No matter what, you're starting Isaiah Crowell. No, if when if, they play the Ravens, if my are team, they gonna, you gonna start them? If my team has bad running backs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, no one on the team. Right. The, and every one of those they traded teams, their best player, which I'm pretty in my sure opinion you're was going to want one of them. My opinion, their best player was Jordan Cameron. Yeah, and they traded him. So uh, so no, I say. Unless you're in like a, a six quarterback league, you do not start any players. A six quarterback league, which is with impossible. like four people. <laughs> <laughs> you see my point. So, um, <laughs> unbelievable show. Uh, great time was had by by everybody here at the uh, studio two six five. And I want to thank everyone who is listening to the show, either here or uh, elsewhere. Um, I gotta say, Jason, if if there's any questions, anybody that has any anything going on, you know, of course, just email us at uh, Jason at drink5.com or Dave at drink5.com. Hit us up on Twitter at drink5, Facebook, drink5 network, drink5.com. Obviously, is where all of our articles are posted. That's our home on the internet. And then, please, if you listen to the to the uh, podcast. Please rate us and uh, follow us and subscribe to us. Give us a review on iTunes. On Stitcher and iTunes. You can find us at Drink 5 Network. So, Jason, I got to say, more than anything else, what this show makes me want to do is play fantasy football. Oh, I just renewed some of my leagues earlier in the week. Uh, So it's starting. It's all starting. And we have a dynasty draft in two weeks, Dave. Yep. Making it happen. It's going to be good. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Love you, suit. Thanks very much for listening. We are Drink 5. <laughs> <laughs>